Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, you should be seeing this on Friday, April 15th. I'm recording this on the 14th because tomorrow is Good Friday. And as always, our offices are closed that day as part of the Easter holiday. So there will be nobody here answering the phones. Of course, as always, if it is an emergency, let the answering service know that, uh, that and they will get a hold of me uh, one way or the other, either through a text or an email or calling me up. So if it's if it's really urgent, let the answering service know. So that is uh, why we're recording this today so that you see it tomorrow. As you can tell from behind me there, we're going to talk a little about cremation again today. But first, a few uh, a few housekeeping things coming up in just a few weeks is our tri-state convention with Kansas and Nebraska. And it is a convention you do not want to miss. We're having a great golf tournament. We're having a top golf. We're having both golf and top golf. We're having dueling pianos. Uh, and that's just the entertainment part. We have got over 60 vendors taking up almost 90 booth spaces in the convention hall. So that is going very well. And we've got a great lineup of speakers events. Uh, of course, the networking luncheon, which was so popular the last time we have it, plus, of course, the annual business meetings and all the other things that go on. So uh, get your registrations in right now. The, head, the deadline for hotels was extended a little bit. So you may be able to get the special rate on the hotel if you need to spend the night. So get all that in as soon as you can. Uh, also, we need to know if anyone out there has been an embalmer or funeral director or both for 40, 50 or more years. We, we give out 40-year pins. We give out 50-year pins and, and recognition certificates and plaques, all that good stuff. But we need to know. We need to know uh, if you have uh, been licensed for 40 years or 50 years so that we can get you or somebody that you know the recognition that you deserve. So don't miss out on that. Uh, update on what I gave you last week, which is going to feed into more of what we're talking about today. Last Friday, I told you that I would be posting on our website the Department of Revenue a letter ruling which we're talking about with the rental caskets that are very often used for cremation purposes when somebody wants to have a funeral or visitation or viewing beforehand. Uh, my intent was to have that on our website on Monday. Well, I was having trouble with my computer on Monday and on uh, then the revenue was having trouble with their computers and then I was out of town. So anyway, it's on there today. The letter ruling from the Department of Revenue is on our website. It covers vaults. It covers uh, casket rentals and it covers the inserts on the caskets and things like that. But be very careful if you open it up. Do not be misled by the big boldface headlines, the headings, because those are a little bit misleading. The first thing it talks about is vaults. And as hopefully everyone knows, despite what that headline says, you do not charge the consumer your customer sales tax on a vault 99.9% .9 of the time. So when the consumer is buying a vault from you and you're gonna be putting it out there, the consumer, the family does not pay sales tax on that vault. When you purchase that vault from the vault company, however, you will be paying sales tax to the vault company. That's how it works. That is just an expense that you're being paid and it should be built into the cost of what you know, you're know you're charging for your uh, your products, your goods and services. So when you buy a vault, when the funeral home buys a vault from the vault company, 
you're paying sales tax. When the consumer buys a vault from you, you're not, the consumer does not pay sales tax. That's just how it works. Um, and again, with the caskets and the casket rentals, you would not be charging sales tax. Again, the headline's a little misleading, so you got to read the body of it. You will not be charging sales tax for the rental casket if you paid sales tax when you bought that rental casket. If you did not pay sales tax when you bought that rental casket, you would be charging sales tax. And of course, then for the disposable insert, the revenue ruling says you do pay sales tax for that. So that letter ruling, if you want to see the detail, is now on our website. Uh, which then leads us into another interesting issue that we've had pop up this week for cremation. It's something that actually came up a couple years ago and uh, did research on it. And uh, it's this is the second time that I know of this has popped up. And it had to do with the family that they were doing cremation, but they wanted the bones and skull, the, the long bones. They did not want them to go through the processor, the pulverizer. They did not want them crushed. They wanted the bones and skull boxed up and given to them. Question is, is that legal? Answer is, yeah, looks like it is. Um, that's kind of an unusual situation, but yeah, it is. You see, the the problem is, is if you take a look at, uh, I don't know if you can you see this, this is the 20 CSR 2120 definitions uh, that are in the regulations. And right there, it talks about what is a cremation. Cremation is a final disposition of dead human remains. The mechanical process which reduces remains to bones and fragment through heat, evaporation, al and or alkaline hydrolysis chemical processes. So cremation is the act of reducing the remains to bone fragments. Doesn't say anything about pulverizing them. Cremated remains are the bone fragments which remain after the cremation process is completed. So once the cremation, once the retort's done, once you uh, open up the door, cremation, the act of cremation has taken place. And what you have there are the cremated remains before they have been pulverized, before they have been reduced to uh, what most people think of as the cremated remains. So yes, and then of course, as we've talked about many times, the person who contracted for the cremation is entitled to either in the contract say what happens to the cremated remains and then of course is entitled to the cremated remains now most of if you use a good cremation contract and a good cremation authorization it will explain in there that what you do is then process the bone fragments uh into the into the processor and so that what is left is the uh the granulized substance It'll explain to that in there. So if that is in your cremation contract and the person has signed the cremation contract, well, then you're fine to go do that. But if before the cremation takes place, before you've done anything, the, uh, the person who's contracting the cremation says, well, here's what we want to do. We want uh, you to cremate the body, but we want you to put the, uh, the bones that remain and the uh, skull and teeth or whatever that's left over there. We want you to put them in the box. We want you to give them to us. That is legal. Yes, it will create potential problems down the road, depending on what they do with those bones. It definitely will. But again, the person who signed the cremation contract has the right to cremated remains, and that's what the cremated remains are. And now this is one where you don't just have to take my word for it. 
Because when this happened a couple of years ago, I did the research, I came up with what my conclusions are, and I bounced it by the attorney for the state board. The attorney for the state board, who uh, she and I didn't always agree on stuff, but she looked at it too. And she and the executive director looked at it and they agreed as well. But we all said that, yeah, that's legal, at least from the funeral director's standpoint. Now, if that family does something with those bones and, uh, you know, puts them in their backyard and doesn't report that to uh, local law enforcement and they get found five years down the road, there's going to be a lot of consequences and a lot of potential problems with it. But from the funeral director standpoint, if the family says that that's what they want to do, it's legal for them to do that. But here's the kicker. It's okay for you to say, no, we don't do that. Okay. If a family comes to you and says, this is the kind of cremation we want, there's nothing wrong with you saying, we don't do that. If you want to do that, you are going to need to find another funeral home, another crematory, somebody that does it that way. There's nothing that says that you have to, you know, as long as you're treating people equally, as long as you're treating people, everyone the same, regardless of their race, creed, color, religion, sexual orientation, and all that, there's nothing wrong with you saying, no, we don't do that. Okay. And uh, if you want to do that and you're the next of kin, you have the right to take this body anywhere you want, call around, find somebody that's willing to do that, and uh, then make arrangements to have the body moved over to them. But uh, if, the if that is what the family wants, there's nothing, and, and the cremations happened, and if the cremations happened, and your cremation contract does not spell out that you're going to be processing the bones, so the cremation's taken place, your contract is silent, and the family member says, I want the long bones, whatever's left in the head, well, you're pretty much going to have to give it to them in that case. That's why you should have a very good cremation authorization and a very good cremation contract that should spell out, here is what is going to be done with cremated remains. Remember, under our regulations, the cremated remains are not what comes out after you process them. It's what comes out of the retort right when the cremation's done. Those are the cremated remains. So your cremation, and the statute says, what does a funeral home do with cremated remains? Step one, you follow the terms of the cremation contract. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. When the, we're not talking necessarily about the cremation authorization, we're talking about the cremation contract. The cremation authorization is the thing that says it's okay to cremate dad. The cremation contract says, I am the one who is committing to pay the bill. So your cremation contract is where it needs to spell out what are you going to do with those cremated remains. So if your cremation contract says, here's how we handle cremated remains. We remove them from the retort, we run them through the processor, we put them in the cremation box or the urn. If that's what your cremation contract says and it spells that out, great, that's what you do. All you need is a statement of goods and services that somebody signs then there's nothing on there that says what you're going to do with those cremated remains. So if you've done the cremation, the person who signed the cremation contract says, give them to me without processing them. At that point, you probably, you need to do that because your cremation contract didn't say what you were going to do with the cremated remains. If you have any confusion about this, call me up. In the members only area of the website, 
We have, as I've told you this many times before, I know, a cremation authorization that says we give you, we're saying that we want dad cremated. And then we have a separate cremation contract, which is about five or six pages long, depending on how you format it. And it spells out what are you going to do with those cremated remains. It spells out if that's what you're wanting to do, that you're going to process them, that you're going to, this is who you're going to give them to. This is who's going to pick them up, whether you're going to scatter them, whether you're going to deliver them. It's all in there. Every possibility that we can think of is covered in that contract. And you attach to that the statement of goods and services that actually has the price on it. So that becomes part of the cremation contract. But if all you're using and people say, well, I've got the cremation authorization. Well, no, that's not necessarily good enough because a cremation authorization isn't a contract. I always again tell people, pretend you don't get paid. Pretend you've done a cremation and nobody pays you. Who would you sue to get your payment? Okay. What piece of paper would you take to court to say, this is what, this is what Uncle Joe uh, signed that said Uncle Joe was gonna pay the bill? Locate the piece of paper locate the piece of paper that you would take to court to prove that this person owes you the money. That's your cremation contract. That is the agreement that you have. Most likely there, there's always complications. You always have to take a look at all the paperwork and consult legal advice if there's any issues, but most likely or not, that is going to be your cremation contract because that's the piece of paper saying uncle Joe, in my example, obligated themselves to pay the bill. So what did that cremation contract say you were going to do with the cremated remains? If it didn't say anything, then it says they are to be handled. They are either to be given to the person or disposed of in accordance with the directions of the person who signed the contract, the person who contracted for the remains. So that means if you haven't thought this out beforehand, you don't have it in your paperwork and you've done the cremation, but the family, the, the person who's contracted for cremation says, well, now I want those bones without you running them through the process. You're going to have to do that. And this leads to the last thing today is we just, again, I told you we had a, a call about this uh, at, the, at the office and there was a dispute about that. And although the funeral home in this case did everything absolutely correctly, I might add, in my opinion, after looking at what I, what I could see and what I knew, uh, nevertheless, even though I think the funeral home did everything really well, they got a demand letter from an attorney asking for $10,000. What do you do then? Well, you know, as I always say, one of the reasons I always push people to try to at least look at, if you're a member of funeral home, my cremation authorization and my cremation contract, because it covers so much. I think it covers just about everything. And I always like to avoid problems rather than solve them later. But the fact of the matter is, no matter what you do, no matter how careful you are, no matter how correctly you do things, there's always a chance that somebody threatens to sue you or actually sues you. As I always say, in this day and age, anybody can sue anyone for anything. You know, somebody could sue you tomorrow for being uh, the mastermind behind the sinking of the Titanic. And although I hopefully you would win that case, you're still probably going to have to hire an attorney to get you out of it because that's the way the world is. So what do you do? And this was a cremation situation. What do you do when you get that claim from an attorney, a letter of attorney demanding that you pay $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 because they claim you did something wrong? Well, the first thing you do is don't call your customer up. Don't call your customer up. If you get a demand letter from an attorney, they now have an attorney. 
Okay, so you can't be dealing with the uh, the person anymore because they have legal representation. Don't be calling the attorney right away either. First call should be to your insurance carrier, your liability carrier. Anytime that you have a claim against you, the first thing you want to do is notify your liability insurance carrier. Every insurance policy can be different. Although there's standardized language and standardized coverages, you always got to get in deep into the, the details. But a very common thing that's in insurance policies is if you do not alert your insurance carrier in a timely manner, as soon as possible, basically. If you do not alert your insurance carrier as soon as possible to a claim, the insurance company might deny coverage. Now, hopefully it doesn't happen to you but it's a possibility you gotta be worried about. So anytime that you have a claim against you, your first call very likely should be to your insurance carrier to let them know about that claim. Now, most, in most cases, if you have a good liability insurance carrier, that liability insurance company will be the one that's hiring an attorney to represent you. So it'll be that attorney. Now it might be an in-house attorney that they have that, that's on the payroll for the company. It might be an attorney that uh, is a private attorney that they pay to do this. It depends on the situation, depends on the company. Uh, back in the day, I used to be uh, the attorney for a lot of insurance companies here in Mid-Missouri. Uh, did a lot of work for people through their insurance company because a claim would be made against uh, somebody and the insurance company would hire me to represent that person. Even though I was being paid by the insurance company, I represented that person very common. Uh, but however they do it, in many instances, it's going to be the insurance company that arranges for the attorney to represent you. So you'll be talking with that, your attorney, who then will be calling up or writing the attorney who sent you the demand letter or sent you the lawsuit or whatever it is. So you want to, when that situation happens, make sure that you have all your records ready Get everything together because your attorney is going to want to see everything. Make sure you have all your ducks in a row, that you have all your documentation in place so that your attorney can take a look at it. Call that insurance company up right away. Now, in this example that happened this last week where they got a demand letter from uh, an, uh, an attorney uh, dealing with a cremation, good news is that this funeral home had a good insurance company. It was our endorsed company, Federated Insurance. Now, there are other companies out there that people use, and I'm sure some of them are very good as well, and some of them provide all this and know what's going on. But the nice thing about Federated, among many other things, is I personally know that they do understand the funeral home business, and they have attorneys that understand the funeral home business and understand the claims that are made against funeral homes. So this, uh, fortunately, this uh, funeral home had Federated Insurance. They did call me up first. I told them to call Federated right away, and they did. And uh, Federated has an attorney that's working on the case, and they're going to be fine uh, because they've got a good. So if, if you don't uh, aren't sure of what your insurance covers, well, take a look at it. Good luck. Those policies are hard to read. I urge you, if you don't use Federated, to have them come in and do a policy review for you. There's no obligation. They'll come in and they'll tell you, here's the kind of coverage you got. And here's the kind of coverage we can give you. And here's the price that we would charge you for that coverage. Now, maybe Federated's price is more, maybe it's less. 
Make sure you're comparing apples and oranges because maybe what you're buying from one company is different from what you're buying from another, but at least shop around, at least shop around. See if there is better coverage, see if there's better prices, see if there's better claim service. We have federated for uh, our building here. Uh, we've never had a liability claim, which is nice, but we have had property claims. We had storm came through and damaged part of the roof. Uh, we've had a few claims on the vehicle uh, that was damaged a few times. And what I can tell you is that their claim service is excellent. Uh, we get uh, taken care of right away. They have an adjuster right on the job right away. Now that's our experience. Your mileage hopefully doesn't vary, but uh, at least give them a shot. Because if you get a claim like this, whether it's for cremation or whether it's for something else, uh, you're going to want to have an insurance company that understands what's going on, that, that knows what you're talking about when you say the words cremated remains or retort or cremation chamber, all right, or uh, authorization for cremation and all that stuff. You're going to want people that understand what that is without them having to do a lot of research. Uh, and again, if you have an insurance, and again, you might have an insurance company out there that does that, and that's great. But if you're not sure about that, I know of at least one that does. Last thing before we go, you're going to see this April 15th. That's usually tax day, but this year tax day has been extended to April 18th, Monday, uh, because they wanted, because of Saturday, there won't be anybody there to get the mail, I guess. But in any case, uh, make sure if you have taxes that are due April 15th, usually, that at least you have them postmarked uh, by April 18th, because that was the extension. Uh, that was uh, that was done for this year. So that's all we have today. We hope you have a very uh, wonderful holiday weekend. Have a blessed Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Um, hope that you enjoy the uh, weekend with your friends, with your family, with your loved ones. Uh, if you are of the religious bent, uh, hope you uh, have good and meaningful services uh, for this uh, for this weekend. And we'll see you next week, which will be, I think, the last one that we have before we're packing up and getting ready for convention, which is the beginning of May. So take a look at that. So we'll see you hopefully again a week from today or a week from when you're seeing this. And until then, stay safe.